Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Marion Millivant here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Matt Stein with Pixel and Tonic in Austin. I'm Ryan Ireland from CraftQuest.io in Austin. And today we have on Brandon Kelly, the founder and CEO of Pixel and Tonic. How are you doing, Brandon? Pretty good. Hi. And we also have Leah Stephenson, Chief Operating Officer at Pixel and Tonic. Hello. So we're going to call you the coup, right? <laughs> Is that acceptable, Leah? Can I call you the coup? Sure. <laughs> Is that way more comfortable for you to pronounce, Andrew? It's just so much easier to pronounce. And also... It's Stevenson, Andrew. <laughs> wow, that's a very bizarre, <laughs> weird name. Stevenson? I've never Such an uncommon name. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very exotic. I'm just not good at Norwegian stuff. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> so anyway, the reason we have you two on here today is you just released a little something called Craft CMS 3.5, a.k.a. the floppy disk edition. So, Brandon, if you were out doing yoga in your spandex and you were in your downward dog position and someone turned their head between their legs and, and looked at you and said, hey, Brandon, what's new in Craft CMS 3.5? What would you tell them? Well, I'd tell them with Craft CMS 3.5, they could mutate into a downward dog. <laughs> All right. So you're trying to cleanse your chakras. They're trying to do the same thing. So tell us, what are some new stuff? If you just had like one sentence to tell them what's new in Craft 3.5, what would you tell them? I'd say that it was it was a release that was geared toward making their experience as an author much better. So is this something that, and we've got Leon who does, she wears many hats. She's got the coup hat, but also the marketing hat. Is this something that you're trying to do in terms of releases, branding them in terms of the type and set of features that it has? Or is it sort of just a potpourri of what you think needs attention? And that's what ends up getting in that release. Yeah, I'd say a combination of things. You know, we do try to fit, look at different focuses for releases, but then it's also what are pain points for our users and and how can we fix those in these sort of releases? Because I would imagine from your perspective, like it might be nice if you were able to kind of brand and package the release and be like, this is the authoring experience release and then really kind of focus on that. Yeah. I mean, I'd say there's some focus on that, but it's not the sole focus because we also want to take care of some of those issues while while we're working on these releases. So they're not all super branded and we're not missing out on some low hanging fruit, so to speak. Yeah. I realize that that's definitely hard to do to, to concentrate on that and group it that way. But so let's talk about some of the author experience stuff first. So what are the author experience features that are in here, Brandon, that might make a difference to people who are their content editors or their developers that are building the schema for content editors? Like what kind of improvements have you made in 3.5 for those people? So we've given developers the tools to create entry forms that are significantly more author friendly. Basically before 3.5, you had the ability to create multiple content tabs. And within content tabs, you just had a list, a flat list of fields. And now you can go in, you can add headings, horizontal rules, you can change the width of fields. Mm. You can set it up so multiple fields can be displayed side by side. You can even kind of go in and add custom things that aren't fields, that aren't set, you know, that we couldn't even think of just by pulling a custom template into the control panel. So it's kind of, you know, basically 
you as a developer become a bit of a UI designer with Craft 3.5. You get to to really tailor the editing experience so that it makes a lot of sense for the content that you're entering. Yeah, and I think the changes that were made, even the small change of allowing multiple fields per line is pretty amazing in terms of the difference it can make for content editors and for arranging stuff. And Ryan, you and I did a little live stream a little while ago on the silliness that you can do by including templates. What do you think about some of the the features that have been added in in 3.5 from your perspective? Because you are both someone who you do videos explaining what's new to people. So you have to keep up to date with it, but you also create stuff for clients using it. So what do you think? From the developer side, just the making it so much easier to be able to create and manage fields in the new field. Is it Field Layout Designer, I think is the official name? That's a that's a pretty big piece. And in FLD for short. Yeah. So and when we did it, you know, my question to, to Brandon was whether that was something he just they just decided to do or whether that had been on the roadmap. But that had definitely been like an intentional inclusion to really overhaul that. I, I don't think it had been redesigned since the like original craft release. Is that right? Well, I mean we've we've I mean like changed, the, the overall kind of like <laughs> <laughs> the, original, the original had that chalkboard font. Which, uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. But the the sort of... It was all yeah. caps, too. All yeah. Caps the, 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 mm-hmm. the, 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 I always think of it as like a schematic kind of layout thing that you had going. Yeah. I mean, it's as far as timing goes, like it's definitely been on the roadmap for a long time. Up until a little bit before 3.5 added this feature, it was more being thought of as a Craft 4 type of thing because there are additional features we want to get in that would require breaking changes and going back to the original question like we don't have necessarily themes in an update we have i would say we have features that make more sense to do in tandem with other features right mm. uh because because oftentimes it's kind of like oh if we do both of these then the then the sum of them is greater you know it's greater than some of the parts kind of situation and so that was kind of the original thinking with field layout designer was like there's some other things we want to get in and the perfect time to do that would be alongside a field layout designer redesign and so that's kind of the reason it didn't, it hasn't happened up until now is because we've been holding out for that. But, you know, at some point, it's just like, let's just get this thing out. Like, there's no reason we couldn't do a subset of what we want to do. That's certainly going to improve people's lives today, you know, and... And it turns out there are things, more things we can do with it in 3.x that wouldn't be breaking changes that do kind of have this as a prerequisite that, you know, we need, we need kind of a more modern UI for the field designer, a little bit more extensible than it used to be. So there, there will be more enhancements that were planned as well. Is it now touch friendly? Does it work on iPhones, iPads? Uh, that was that was on the list and it did not make it in, but okay. it's still something that, I mean, that, that could just show up in like a 3.5.x theoretically cool. yeah patrick just wants to be at the beach and be able to like drag <laughs> fields around using his nose because his hands have got sunscreen all over it you know? i just and, still and start so, from an, an old deployment where i was at the mall or something and a deployment happened and a field was missing and i'm like i can't drag this field to get onto the layout and so what yeah. did- you do you got to put the ipad down and just enjoy your day though right so no i had to drop everything and throw my kid in the car and get home and get to a something without a touch layout yeah okay. yeah well okay so speaking of features that kind of go together i gotta ask it and then we'll, we'll get into the craft 4.0 thing a little bit later but i gotta ask like a feature that feels like it goes together with the improvements to the field layout would be conditional fields where are we on that that would be one of the things that this was a prerequisite for nice mm-hmm. interesting so that's most likely going to make it into 3.6. It's already, already <laughs> underway. 
Oh my goodness. You are going to make so many people happy when you implement that. Uh, and already the changes in, in Craft 3.5 from an authoring experience are, are a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because there have been tons of improvements in Craft. You know, we got we got GraphQL, we've gotten a project config, we've gotten a ton of stuff. But in terms of client-facing stuff, this is probably one of the biggest additions since Craft 3.0 came out. Does that sound reasonable or am I forgetting something? Yeah, I mean, as far as author experience goes, it's probably the biggest improvement yeah. we've made since uh i don't know since probably two five two dot two dot four or something like that back mm. when we added like the heads up display element editor models and stuff like that like inline entry creation and things and the roadmap in terms of when you do what is it marketing driven is it development driven or are you guys just kind of sit down and, and hash out the way you think things should work out it's both it's both um, yeah you know it's you know if there's if we're getting just a big wave of feedback on a certain thing then then we'll address it sooner than later honestly like like this kind of stuff like we've been wanting to get to it the original plan was that 4.0 would already be out by now mm. and uh, that it would come with a lot of author experience improvements and turned out 2020 didn't work out that way but that's okay we can roll that <laughs> but uh it's like a lot of a lot of the stuff that's gone into 3.x has just been things that we felt unsettled about like we needed we needed this to be done it was it right. was just 3.0 felt unfinished there were things that just from a developer experience perspective or you know from a framework perspective just felt like we needed to make these certain changes and i think i think that kind of took maybe more more priority than it should have and we probably should have been focusing more on the author experience stuff evidenced by the reaction to 3.5 but hmm. It is what it is. We're we're gonna certainly be prioritizing author experience stuff more going forward now that we've kind of scratched all our itches as far as the developer stuff goes. Yeah. And it makes sense that you'll do some of the foundational stuff first and then focus on the authoring experience stuff. And you know, some of the other big changes. I'm just gonna briefly mention that GraphQL has gotten some enhancements in Craft 3.5. It's got mutations and a couple of other minor enhancements. I'm not going to go too into that because the last podcast we did with Andrus, we went kind of deep into the changes that were done there. Same thing with project config. We actually talked a little bit about project config, but one of the big changes in Craft 3.5 as far as project config goes is number one, it's not one big massive file. Like each file mm -hmm. is bait is basically something that contains a UUID or it's just a, you know, like each field, for instance, would be a separate file and there's a hierarchy of directories. And the reason there is it's just from a Git perspective, it's a lot easier to avoid merge conflicts and other exactly. nonsense if it's sectioned up this way. And then the other part of it is that it's on all the time. And we, we talked about that a little bit on the podcast with Andrus. So if you're interested in that, go back and check it out. But do you have any anything you want to add real quick to either one of those about GraphQL? Well, the fact that it's on all the time wasn't a change. That was already the case. All that we've done now is is kind of before you basically had one one chance to opt into the project config workflow, which was via that one config setting. You set that once and now it's locked in forever until you disable it. Whereas now, every time that Craft detects that someone else changed something in the project config, you have the choice do you want to go with this change or not? And right. on production, if you want changes automatically applied, it's just instead of setting that config setting, it's, you know, make sure that you've got project config slash sync or project config slash apply, both of which are aliases of each other. Make sure that you've got that built into your deployment workflow, which right. you should already have had if you had project config enabled. So that, that part isn't really a change in how it works as much as a change in how you opt into it in a way that, in a way that hopefully is a little safer, less likely to take your site down, 
and potentially, I don't know, increases the visibility of Project Config and, and the benefits that it offers to more people without getting in the way. Yeah, because prior to this, if you push something and you were using Project Config and you didn't sync the changes, it's now called apply, but sync the changes, your site was down until you did. <laughs> it did, yeah. And, yeah. and like sometimes it wasn't even for a good reason. Like it was just like yeah. the date the date modified got changed somehow or lost the cache. And, you know, there was some type difference or something that wasn't really a change, but like it was taking your site down nevertheless. And, you know, we've we've even had experienced that issue with our own website. It's so that's assuming you didn't have it scripted to run automatically on deployment. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I want to take the temperature of the room real quick. So how many people here have active projects that are using Craft 3.5 either in production or in staging? So Ryan, do you have anything that is using that? I'm not, your training <laughs> videos don't count. That's, that's, that's. no, that doesn't count. Uh, I have one project in staging, but nothing in production yet. Okay. Well, and we got to be fair about this. So let's let's see how good they are at, at dog fooding things. So Brandon or, or Leah, do you have anything in production that is using Craft 3.5? Does uh, does the Happy Logger demo count? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll put that in with uh, Ryan's videos. I think. Yeah. You know? uh, I've got CraftNet running locally with it, but we just haven't had a chance to fully test it yet, and you know, want to make sure that we're prioritizing fixing bugs and right. improving documentation and stuff like that before we get around to just scratching your own itches there. Dot all is running. Dot all.com is on 3.5. Oh, yeah. Good job. Nice. <laughs> nice. Leah pulls it out. So that makes sense to me though. You know, some people might be like, well, you know, they don't even trust it enough to to run it on their site. But no, I mean, it makes sense that you're oh, going to make sure you It's on the list. It's just not a high priority compared to solving other right. problems. Right. Would you rather have Pixel and Tonic have their website updated to Craft 3.5 or would you rather have them working on bugs that you're finding in it? I, I know and, what I'd and, rather. And for, yeah. And for the record, like it, like before even releasing it, like I had a version of CraftNet running, it, which is that's for the record. That's like our super fancy craft install that runs licensing and the plugin store and, you know, everything that we do is what we call CraftNet. And that's that's been running CraftNet uh, 3.5 locally since before release. And, yeah, uh, but running, running it locally, you know, I'm from Missouri. Show me, oh, like, I, I got to see it. Yeah, it's gotta I, be I get it. I get yeah. it. How about Just, yourself, Matt? Yep. Okay. Yes, he does. <laughs> Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, how about yourself? Yeah, we have two live sites running it now. One that launched a couple weeks ago, and so it was on the RC, and then one where we ran into some challenges with project config in three four just it was a very large site multi-site you know that project config was just buckling under its own weight and so the update to three five where it splits out the project config down to a field by field section by section everything basis actually helped that quite a bit so we made a, a move to three five last week and marion how about yourself one of my tiny sites yes is ported over and i have to get around to doing the other ones and one that's in development but exists on staging is coming along in 3.5 as well oh that's great so i mean as for myself i've got a couple of sites that are this site the devmo.fm site is running 3.5 i yoloed that like as soon as the release came out and shockingly everything seemed to work and i had also been i'm sorry 
shockingly. Well, you know, I'm running these weird plugins or, you know, so who, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what, what can happen there? And also the nystudio107.com site is running it. And then a couple of sites that I'm working on in staging and local dev are, are running on it too. All right. So that's actually pretty, that's pretty impressive. Everyone here has something running on 3.5, which to me means that the features that are in there are compelling enough that, you know, it's just time to move forward and, and to start using it. Adoption for 3.5 has actually been pretty crazy overall. We've seen more people updating to Craft 3 at all from Craft 2 in this release than we typically do. And and just judging by the the types of support we're getting and what licenses are reporting that they're running, it's been a monumental success from adoption's perspective. Yeah. And I think that people are really, really dying for the content authoring improvements. Because I I remember we did a podcast back when 3.0 was released. And I mentioned to you, what would I use to sell clients on updating this thing? Like what visible thing can I show them that this is going to be better for them? And it was kind of a tough sell from the perspective of, yeah, I mean, you can tell them it performs better. It's a better baseline, all that kind of stuff. And we as developers know and recognize all this, but it can be more difficult to pitch this to clients. Whereas if you show them some of the content editing improvements you get from the field layout, designer like Mm -hmm. that makes it so much easier to sell to them do you do you run into that at all Leah yeah definitely another thing that has been a big initiative for us this year is making craft more accessible so it's exciting to have a few accessibility updates in 3.5 and it is something we're working on continuing to make crafts control panel much more accessible and so from a sales standpoint to be moving in that direction has been huge oh that's really cool yeah I remember there was that mention about accessibility in when WC3 was evaluating crafts, Datamic, and WordPress, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that something that was on their list was the accessibility. And so it makes sense that you would be addressing that. I don't know if anyone saw this. I'll link to it in the show notes. But Eddie Asmani linked a video where Chrome has some built-in features that let you simulate a whole bunch of vision deficiencies. Does anyone see that? Yeah, it looks that just, really wild. That just got released, right? I, I yeah. saw it on Twitter timeline like a day or two ago. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, There's which is fantastic. Used before, but this is really awesome to have it just built into the browser. Yeah, because accessibility is one of those things that I think lots of people want to do it, but they don't know how to do it. And there are lots of people on smaller teams where it's difficult to hire someone who that's the only thing that they do. So building in these tools that makes it easier for your average developer to do this kind of thing, I, I think it's I think it could be huge. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, I, I, I'm I've always been for accessibility. Uh, one thing, and I think I we talked about this a while, Brandon, but one of the nice little things that you, you might think accessibility is for screen readers and people who have, have really large assist, assistive device needs. Even one little nicety in 3.5 is on a user basis, you can set the ability so that instead of everything just being a little green, yellow, or red status light uh, mm. you can get a shape you can get a, a triangle a square i have some red green color deficiency almost color blindness um, and, and that's now like an automatic the first thing i've done anytime i go to three five is turn that setting on because it gives you such a differentiation and, and that's something where even someone who doesn't have a, an assistive need might enjoy that just not having to think for as long as oh is that a stop sign is that a green light there's so many nice like, things this is kind of you know tangent but how cool would it be if chrome they've gone the one way right where I can now 
simulate what it looks like to have various vision deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they can't simulate what normal sighted people are seeing for people with vision deficiencies, but they are certain, the browser is certainly aware of what is red versus what is orange, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it would be interesting if they could do something at the browser level to pulsate certain colors or, you know, who knows what, but uh, mm -hmm. like, I feel like that's, that's, you know, or just, or wrote color shift things, you know, like mm -hmm. to, to a color that you can work with. I, I wonder if that's something that they're working on. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't doubt it. And, and there may be extensions that do that sort of thing already. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, obviously not to not to just uh, pass the buck off to someone else. Uh, well, kind of like iOS has built into it the high contrast mode, I think, for yeah. right for people with vision deficiencies. That's, I mean, that's actually something that we're going to be adding to craft as well. Oh. We're in the middle of moving the control panel over to Tailwind. And a big part of that is introducing a bunch of CSS variables for colors. And we're going with semantic color names rather than just green 400, you know, mm. uh, it'd be enabled color, you know, I don't know what what name Ben's going with. The point oh. is like with semantic colors, then you can actually change the values of those variables depending on user preferences. So if they want dark mode, then fine. Now all of a sudden background color one means something that it, different than it used to. Or text color might become, you know, if they want high contrast mode, text color might get darker or lighter depending on the color mode setting and stuff like that. I was going to say, are you announcing the death of Matt Gray's plugin? And are you announcing dark <laughs> mode? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. Is that still maintained? I have <laughs> I have no idea, but I mean, that's really cool. So you're planning on doing something with dark mode in the craft CP? Yeah, you got to. Everything's Very got cool. to. Cool things are doing, yeah. Yeah. Very Our cool. Our docs have like dark it. mode. So that is something that I wanted to talk about too, because I think that this is huge. It's something that I've been beating the drum on, not just with craft, but about stuff in general, which is that you got to have good documentation if you want, like that's a developer experience thing. Talk about DX, like give me good docs before anything. You have had someone named Matt Stein who has joined Pixel and Tonic and has been working diligently, like uh, working in the coal mines, updating the, the documentation. Matt, can you tell us about some of the changes you've made there and, and where we're headed with this? Yeah, they did change. I noticed that too. <laughs> working in the dark mode cold mine yeah so it's uh, still viewpress it's still it's just a theme that we've just wildly customized basically to try and reduce a whole bunch of friction of working with and maintaining and reading the docs so just tons of little things like placeholders and code comments or sorry and code samples even just combining a bunch of documentation sets so basically it was me using view which is not my um, ex area of expertise but fighting with viewpress to get basically introduce the idea of multi-site ish so that instead of one set of documentation it's several products that are there and then trying to improve the search experience hopefully so you can search across everything it's all one repository which should make updating and maintaining the theme itself hopefully a lot smoother instead of updating 18 different branches every time the, the theme would change so hopefully it should make it easier both to write and read the docs. So you touched on two things that I want to elaborate on a little bit, because I think they're important. One is the multi-site thing where you're kind of switching between docs. So you can do a Google search and with decent frequency, it will pull up the craft two documentation. And maybe that's not really what you're looking for. And what you're talking about is added a little switcher that is really, really smart about switching. Like, let's say you land on craft two version of the element API or something like that. And you want, you really are looking for craft three. This makes it really easy for you then to switch 
to craft three, right? Yeah. So one of the things that we added, and this is, there are a lot of these little changes just to try and reduce friction all over the place. So in that instance, if you come from a search engine and you're on an older version of the docs, you'll get a little notice at the top of the page that says, hey, looks like you're on the craft two docs. And here's a here's a link right to craft three. So people have complained before that search was promoted for version two when they were expecting to get to version three. And rather than drop a bunch of things from search indexes, we just thought, why not solve that and make it easier for somebody to get to the right place? And also, if they want to be on the Craft2 docs, not force redirect them or something that would be frustrating. On the Sim- Craft2 docs, is there like a banner or something that says deprecated or something that makes it really clear if you're not on the current docs? Yeah, yeah. that's You'll see that if you come spe- specifically from a search engine to anywhere on the Craft2 docs, it'll point you to the, the equ- Craft3 equivalent if it exists. And then another thing that's built in there, if you change language in Craft 3, you will land on the same page. There's things you would already expect, but land on the same content in the different language and the same with a version. So, and we have the ability now to use front matter to point to if the file name changed, say what the equivalent content is. So anytime you're switching, hopefully we're making an intelligent leap to the right place and letting you stay focused on the content. And in doing that, changing the UI a bit so that the navigation isn't just a big junk drawer of stuff, but reorganize things a little bit. We definitely redesign the navigation so that you're focused, hopefully more on content and browsing and finding what you need rather than popping open a bunch of menus to see maybe where you could end up. So hopefully trying to be sensitive to whatever context you're looking at things. in. So how did you make the search better? Because the search was notorious for not necessarily giving me results that were useful. How did you, what what did you do? Are you a wizard? Like what did you do? Well, no, No, I'm a level point two wizard. Um, We used, found a project called Flex Search, which is an in-memory search. Sounds uh, very programmer. Flex Search. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, my weightlifting buddies pointed it out, which is a joke. I don't have weightlifting, but um, anyway. yeah, You you are the weight that they lift. (laughs) That's right. I just sob a little bit until they're done. So it's a project called Flex Search, JavaScript project um, that lets you build your own indexes and give a boost to whatever um, fields that you want. So basically, search should be just as fast and feel probably like Algolia, but indexes are pushed with each revision, each deployment, mm. and they're loaded asynchronously. So it shouldn't you shouldn't notice any you know terrible performance or really notice anything. But we can alter how things are indexed and you know give weight to certain things, right? Um, and then also change manipulate more easily manipulate how results are displayed. So basically, if search is not already working better for you, you can now blame us and we can improve upon it. We can also add keywords like custom keywords. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm all about the blame. Not you. Anybody but Andrew is free to reach out and say what they are expecting to get, and and we can improve that. Uh, one. Well, how do example. we blame you? How do we blame you? Like, what's uh, the what's the mechanism? Do we blame you on Discord? And the I am the so dots? glad you asked, Andrew, because okay. as you probably noticed, going to the bottom of each page and saying yes, this was helpful. <laughs> if you choose no, which is now an option, you can you can rage click or uh, you we know before, but only yes was the option. <laughs> well, right. much much as Brandon Kelly chastised <laughs> me for telling me that no one listens to the end of the podcast, no one scrolls to the bottom of the page, Matt. Okay. It's not happening. So tell everyone, how do we do this? That's that's why we put it there. So at the bottom of the page, there thumbs up and down. And if you if you choose down, 
you'll get a little link that says you want to tell us more or something to that effect, which will pre-populate a GitHub issue on the, the docs repo with the uh-huh. URL that you are at. And so you can you can go to town and describe whatever it is that you were looking for, whether that's an issue with the page or I guess search. And then we're also just using Google events to capture those votes. So we'll see over time, like if even if we aren't getting feedback, you know, what's working well and what's not. And also so that, on, Di- on Discord, there's a hashtag docs channel there is. now, right? Yeah, go yeah. there with your compliments and uh, just just those. And I understand. Um, and your favorite thing is when people DM you with with issues. Is that correct? Yeah, there's one guy. <laughs> I don't want to say who it is because he's here, but he loves it. He just loves dragging me in there. No, but the feedback Matt's, has been really. Matt's cell phone number, if you want to text him. <laughs> yeah, please. Let's get that up there. Yeah, it, I've really appreciated all the getting feedback from everybody and and docs and have fixed a number of things and and it's actually been really. Do you nice. want us to dox you so that people have your postal address and can drive by and. Any other features you're curious about, Andrew? <laughs> no, that's it, really. <laughs> I've had my fun. I think I'm good. But no, in, in all seriousness, like forgetting about giving you grief, I do think I that... Think he really wants you to... I think this is your chance to talk about the more link. The more link? What is the more link, Matt? Well, hang on. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. This is, a, <laughs> this is just... Once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. yeah this was a big deal, Matt. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to care outside of this moment. So so before, in the sidebar navigation, I'm sure you'll you'll all remember that at the very bottom of the Craft 3 docs, there was a kind of a, a junk drawer of just stuff that didn't necessarily go to any other place. This innovative bit of UI allows you in a section of the navigation to list, you know, items like you normally would under a heading, but then a link that says more with mm-hmm. a little arrow. And you can click that and it expands those things. So they have importance within the context of that section, but not enough to be have primary focus. And it completely gets rid of the junk drawer. Wow. I'll just let you all, yeah. I'm looking can at it give now. Us so an the example? Main, well, in the main index, so I'm looking at it right now. On the main index, there's a system overview and they list a bunch of different things. And then there's a little downward more. Mm-hmm. It goes right in with our downward dog that we we're talking about earlier. You click on it. And in addition to what else was there, you get searching, reference tags, and garbage collection, which presumably are just they're related, but not that important. Yeah. So if, if you're learning craft for the first time, hopefully the navigation now has a certain rhythm to it and, and order that makes it a little bit more logical to parse. And as you're looking through the system overview, things like garbage collection, if you're first learning craft, probably not going to be super high on the list of, of things for you to understand, but are an important part of the system that you should know about. Is it? Um, I mean, garbage collection is important, right? I mean, I guess. I mean, ho- hopefully it's something that people never have to think about, right? It should just kind of happen automatically, right? Yeah, but I've noticed the less you document, the, the less people like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, at least explain to me how it works. But no, so what I was going to say before is I just think that as far as developer experience goes, some of the changes in Craft 3.5 are fantastic, but the documentation needs a huge shout out because number one, Matt, it looks like it was designed by somebody other than me. In other words, someone that actually has a design sensibility. It looks really nice. I'm looking at it and I'm just, I'm kind of nodding and smiling. I'm like, yep, Matt totally designed this. You know what I mean? But in addition to that, just having all of that information available and more easily accessible 
I mean, it's just monstrous to developer accessibility to have good docs. I have I have shied away from projects just because I looked at their docs and I thought they sucked. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And it, I mean, it's exciting because we also have a lot of ideas of things to improve that would be hard to get at without kind of customizing things quite a bit. And now they're quite customized. So we can um, chase down other ideas as we have them and hopefully continually improve the state of the docs. Now, Ryan, what do you think about the improvements to the documentation? Because to some extent, kind of your niche is filling in the the missing manual or the making videos of things that maybe aren't in the docs or aren't well explained. So is, is Matt infringing on your turf or what are, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Matt is not infringing on my turf. I think I think Matt and I are the greatest of allies when it comes to teaching people how to use craft because I think there's a there's a way of uh, things that that the team wants to teach people about craft uh, via the docs like the 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 getting started guide I, I don't know I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what you call it and is it the tutorial yeah well it's actually changed so if you can't okay. remember that's you probably write twice um, <laughs> but yeah now it's getting started with craft okay no it's I called intro to craft. I lied I lied it's intro to I'm I just sorry, I, I've never read it uh, it's intro to craft CMS yeah so. I think we're allies. I think we're we're trying to do probably we're, we're after the same goal, which is educating people, but maybe with maybe two different mindsets. But I do use the docs a lot, so I do appreciate all the documentation, the ability. Uh, what is it, Matt? Where the you get you changed how the placeholder for the examples, so the placeholders are are oh yeah, so like we explicit now. Yeah, so we had followed basically in most cases followed the convention of writing in placeholders kind of like uh, like an HTML tag that has no closing tag. That was the format it took. So opening brace, placeholder, variable name, and closing brace. And now they're, they're an explicit little set and that's defined somewhere in a JSON array that anytime they're using an example, they'll be they'll get a little subtle highlight in the example and the title will say, you know, put your plugin handle here or something like mm-hmm. make it obvious that it's a placeholder, which we saw as confu- people got confused confused about the placeholders and learning craft and often enough, which so that should make those more explicit and encourage us at the same time to be consistent with the placeholders that we use across the documentation. So that that's a good one that both helps with the writing process and then also hopefully parsing and understanding what's going on. Yeah, because I've had people even ask me, hey, I try to use this thing from this is a while back from the docs and I don't understand why my field handle dot something, something doesn't work, right? So yeah, that's, it, it's a great. So uh, the docs are, are really important for me because I, I do a lot of research when I'm trying to come up with a, a way of teaching something on CraftQuest. And one of the things I always do is first see how are other people teaching it and then how can I improve upon that? And that's, and then, so if I see like, this is how they're officially talking about it. And sometimes it's even to verify, like, am I describing? <laughs> hold, on. Are you, hold on, are you saying that Matt is like an uncredited script writer for your no. videos? <laughs> no. It's like a, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm verifying that the way that I'm talking about, so if I describe, I don't know, a guy, like when I was starting to, to really make sure that I was clearly talking about element queries the right way, I would go to the documentation mm, to make yeah. sure that I was talking about it the same exact way that they were talking about it. So that it was consistent. So in that sense, I'm, I really rely on the docs for that kind and of thing. And it makes sense to me that you would view Matt as an ally because there's a difference between a reference, which is what I kind of view the docs as and a tutorial. And and there's also a difference between discussing an implementation versus understanding the concept and also, you know, the obvious of text and video, like these are different mediums, but you're really kind of focusing on the tutorial and being like, okay, well, here's the reference for when you need the nitty gritty. But a lot of times the hard part is understanding the larger concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Right. What do you think? Have Marion and Patrick, have you folks seen the new docs in action? Have they, have you looked something up and been pleasantly surprised? 
Marion? Oh, yes. Also, I keep running into the trouble where I leave my dock's window open, and then I guess a new release gets pushed, and then it fails to navigate. But I guess that's a that's a ViewPress problem. Yeah, but we're looking into I mean, it's not ViewPress specific. It's just kind of pushing atomic bundles of stuff. But yeah. um, the that issue's still open. The JavaScript falls over in, in confusing ways. But uh, other than that, yeah, it, I mean, it's 95% much better and 5% like I was used to know where to rummage around in the junk drawer and find things. But that's my fault. You know, I got to learn the new way. Someone moved your cheese. How about yourself, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been very pleasantly surprised. I used to sometimes just get frustrated and feel like, I feel like this should be here. Or why was it here for two, but not for three? And I'm just finding much less of that. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks, but already I, I feel better going into the documentation and not f- feeling like I'll have to hit the source com- code to understand what's going on. It's a huge improvement. I still am somewhat trained, and this is probably a bad habit, that I, I tend to go to the source code when I'm looking stuff up, but I'm probably working on weirder or, or different things. But I have noticed that as I've been looking at the docs more and more, I've been more pleasantly surprised about the way it actually answers the questions, which is fantastic. Because again, I think building a product is one thing, but educating people on how to use it when it's a developer platform like Craft is, is huge. And training ma- materials are, are huge in terms of, if you looked at it in terms of a pie, and you were thinking about adoption, you got to have something that is a good product and has good features. But a huge part of that pie chart is going to be the documentation and the tutorials and the onboarding stuff to get people to use it. Because there are so many choices out there, you have to have something that is really, really easy for people to, to get up and use it. And you can tell that Matt has become a complete corporate lackey because he's talking about reducing friction and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. But, you know, nomenclature aside, like it is really important to be able to onboard people like that. You know? we're, also, we're also really lucky to have a community of people that's gentle, but willing to call out issues and describe frustrations. And often people are getting help just in, in Discord. You can see where things don't make sense and where there are gaps. I'm, I'm used right. to, I can bang out a, a plugin that nobody uses and find problems with it for a long time. But that's distinctly different from working on something that everybody looks at uh, and gives feedback on. And it's hugely, I mean, it shapes what they are. And so I appreciate that a lot. Everybody who's ever said something nice or critical in, in docs or just brought up an issue learning, like I appreciate it because I get to learn from it. So the documentation is important. So thank you for that, Matt. But in terms of some of the other improvements that we've got in here, like Ryan, like you did a whole video course on this and all that kind of stuff. What other features do you think are important and you want to talk to Brennan about here? Uh, well, let me pull up my spreadsheet. All right. So clearly someone didn't do their homework. So let me, let me, I'll carry your, your load for you. Okay. So, <laughs> so in addition to the, the field designer and the accessibility improvements, you've got new keyboard shortcuts for publishing that kind of falls into accessibility, right? Brennan? Yeah, I guess so. It's a uh, better keyboard access, I guess. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. From both an accessibility point of view for, you know, whether you have vision issues or, or motor skill issues or whatever or not, like it's just, it's kind of nice to have that in there. And you've got some new twig tags and filters, like what what's new and fancy in that? I mean, honestly, like nothing there, I don't think is worth writing home about. <laughs> it's all stuff that we needed just in our own control panel templates. And it was just easier to add the new filter. I mean, if you happen to be working with manipulating arrays and stuff, I guess the push function and the unshift function would be good or uh, filters, I guess I should say. 
I'm, I'm glad you said that, Brandon. When I, when I was doing uh, the research for the different features, I created this spreadsheet where I try to like go back to the where you added it in the source code. And I was like, what would someone use explode class and explode style for? Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it was something specific to your implementation, but maybe would be helpful. To yeah, honestly, we, we don't even have a need for explode style. Uh, okay. it, just, it just made a lot of sense to do it at the same time as explode class. Right, because the code is already the bulk of the code was already written. We were just connecting dots. Yeah, we need to explode class because we've got various control panel templates that extend other control panel templates, like form form elements and stuff like that. Where maybe like when you're including a text field, you want to be able to set a class on it, but that could be a string or it could be an array. And if it's a string, it could be multiple classes, and so we just we need to like normalize everything so we can merge things together recursively. And the easiest way to do that was to write a filter that kind of normalized the class value into an array that's the reason that exists I, I i don't think there was anything in the twig side of things that was necessarily a big feature for actual site development in 3.5 and it looks like we've got some other minor things like some improved cli commands and all that kind of good stuff but i think we we've covered the real important stuff or the stuff that most people care about in terms of the changes in craft 3.5 so now i now i gotta ask like what is going on with craft 4 so from what we're talking about brandon it sounds like some of the stuff that was planned to be in craft 4 which I understand, like global pandemic, we'll, we'll give you a pass. Okay? <laughs> global pandemic, well, it's fine. We'll give you a pass. It's the one time we're going to play that card. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Hopefully Unless there's it's another the only time. <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's not be so uh, quick about that. It could be in for a while here. Yeah. Good. But so some of the features that were planned for Craft 4 and by necessity were then needed in Craft Cloud, you're ro- you've rolled into Craft 3.5. It sounds like some other features, such as the conditional fields, you're rolling into Craft 3.6. Like what, what is your kind of roadmap going forward with that? Like where is Craft 4 and how many different, is there going to be a Craft 3.6? Is there going to be a 3.7? Like what are, what are we looking at here? So the timing of this question is interesting because right now it's all in flux. Like we're yeah. debating, as you know, whether whether to even go with 3.6 anymore or just start kind of adopting a different release strategy where all of what we've been calling minor releases start becoming major releases going forward. Mm. May or may not happen. There's, there's an active debate going on right now on whether that's going to happen. So for now, let's just call it 3.6. And there's a ch- just with the with the side note that there's a chance that could actually be 4.0. And if it is, then what will be 4.0 is, is less exciting than the original 4.0 was planned to be. Mm. But I could just say, like, for the foreseeable future, the big things we want to be getting in are, are all pretty much author experience related. The conditional fields thing is obviously a big one. But that, the like, one of the reasons that hasn't happened is because it kind of relies on us writing this condition builder in the first mm-hmm. place, which condition builders are a dime a dozen. You know, every app seems to have one here or there. We've not been able to add one simply because it's a big project for us because we want to do it in a way that's extensible, in a way that kind of covers a wide variety of use cases, you know, just kind of in line with everything else that Craft has to deal with that, that typical software doesn't have to worry about. So that's become the main prerequisite for a variety of features, one of which was the was conditional fields. But another one is when you're creating an entries field, being able to fine tune what entries are available to be selected beyond just which sections should be available, you know, being able to specify the entry type or the author or the date created or, you know, a, a wide variety of things that currently, if you wanted to limit the available selected entries based on these things, you'd have to just do it in PHP. You know, we want to bring those into the UI. If you're 
on your entries index, being able to have this really great condition building there so that you can kind of limit, you know, which entries you're looking at. Being able to save those as maybe a smart source or whatever so that you can quickly access that later or at least kind of access it through like previous searches or something like that. That's another big one. Commerce has a ton of use cases as well from determining which which products a discount should be able to apply to and, you know, or sale or, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So that's kind of the biggest development feature right now is is this this generic condition builder that's going to work across both you know front end things as well as back end things and then how far we can go with that in the very next release will we'll just kind of have to find out but then beyond that we'll probably extend it to other things as well down the road and then we've got you know a variety of other author experience related things planned again how much of it makes it into the next release or not we'll just have to see but that's that's really our main focus right now uh, before we do anything else that's you know starting to improve developer experience again on a at least as far as major developing features go and i'm super happy to hear that you're going to be focusing on author experience because as a independent developer being able to sell my clients on reasons to upgrade and also just giving them a better experience because you know there's tons of competition that has have made strides Mm -hmm. in terms of the user experience so it really you're really 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 helping your developers by focusing on that i think yeah well and and the authors i know i've been asking about it i think for seven years matrix and matrix is that uh, (laughs) you see that being a four that is that is basically going to have to be a 4.0 because the way to do that is to get rid of Matrix's nested fields concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've used Neo, but Neo kind of has an alternative take on on this, which is that instead of defining fields within the Neo field, you're just selecting other global fields. Yep, so this and is the larger kind of field instances uh, yeah, infrastructure. Yeah, well, sort of. It's related to that. It's, okay. It would be done at the same time. But just the general idea of like Matrix having more of a traditional field layout designer where you are selecting existing fields rather than just creating them all right within the field. That's kind of a major architectural shift that needs to happen. And when that happens, that's when you'll be able to just select another Matrix field. Mm-hmm or theoretically even the same matrix field, who knows? But that's the the way to do that would require a migration that takes all of our current matrix content tables and all that kind of stuff and sh- and move that content around and turn it into just regular fields. And we can't possibly write that right now without causing a lot of sites to run into MySQL content size limitations and stuff like sure. that. Sure. So that's going to kind of have a prerequisite of, of re-architecting how content is stored in the first place. So that's step one. Step two would then be let's let's um, migrate all matrix data and turn it into this whole new global fields only, no more subfields architecture. Got it. Breaking changes. Talking about MySQL and other uh, requirements down the line, taking a look at the, there is a, a fledgling little 3.6 branch out there out on GitHub. It looks like 7.3 for PHP will be a requirement for whatever the next, whether it's minor or major releases of Craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it's time. Yeah, 7.2 is only in security sport support until November. Yeah, it'll be EOL'd by the time that you know the next release comes out. Exactly, and 8.0 will be around. So yeah, we're already 
point where where we're running into dependency issues, we want to introduce complexity limitations to GraphQL queries. Mm -hmm. And turns out that requires a version of the GraphQL PHP library that requires PHP 7.2, I think. Maybe it's 7.1. So that's kind of forcing our hand. If we want to introduce complexity, we need to bump the PHP release, PHP requirement. Twig has already abandoned 7.0 and maybe even 7.1. I I can't quite remember, but if we wanted to get on the latest Twig 2 release, not even Twig 3, but just the latest Twig 2 release, we can't do that without bumping the PHP requirement. Uh, And there's just other libraries, like, like eventually Laravel's more componentized stuff like the illuminate slash collection library and things like that like those all require 7.3 and we'd love to pull those in as soon as they're available but can't do that while while we're still saying we support 7.0 sure. so yeah and i was saying even just yesterday we were recording here on the on the 17th but yesterday uh Yee, it looks like is adding some experimental support for php 8 which will be out by the end of the year so mm-hmm. yeah definitely i think if people are looking at their server you know it's time to move off of 70 71 72 and yeah. think about what you know what the well, yeah, like, yeah, going back to the Twig thing, actually, the only way that we can support PHP 8 is by updating Twig to a version that doesn't rely or doesn't require 7.0 anymore. So, Got it. you know, it's, yeah, we'd rather, if we have to make a choice between supporting 7.0 or 8.0, we're going to go with 8. You know, we want right. to keep just, moving forward. Out of morbid curiosity, I just SSH'd into the devmo.fm server. Mm. PHP 7.1.33. So... <laughs> I guess an update to PHP is in my future then, right? For that. So it sounds interesting to me that you're looking into a matrix and matrix, kind of like uh, like Statamic. They've got their replicator, which is kind of like their take on that. In a similar mm-hmm. vein, I've heard rumors, rumors that you are considering something kind of like their Statamic's Bard field in terms of long form content. Just little hints that you've dropped here and there in the public discords about is Bard kind of like a like a medium or a uh, what's the what's the word like Gutenberg thing? but not awful yeah. yeah. Kind of thing, yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, then the answer is yes. We've been looking at a couple editors, editor.js, as well as TipTap, which is more of a view view based version of editor.js. Mm-hmm. Um, those that work would probably not make it into core and would just be released as a plugin. Just because you know, in general, I think craft needs to be moving to be more componentized and less bloated. And mm-hmm. if we could do it over again, like Matrix probably should have been a plugin. Like if, if it had been a plugin, then we could be making these matrix within a matrix changes now, like outside of a major update, you know, the, the plugin would get a major update, but we could do that's a lot easier than saying the whole framework gets a breaking update. So the um, thing that confuses me about these long form plugins, and it's the same in Statamic as it is here in craft in that there is some kind of overlap. Like if you look at Statamic's replicator, which is kind of like their matrix block, and then you look at their bard, they're kind of the same in that they both have blocks of things yeah, I mean, that can repeat. I would what? say that I would say that it's a. I use this form of UI every day in the Notion app. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. use Notion. Uh, same same yep. kind of concept yep. though, and it is just so much nicer to not have to deal with all the UI of blocks and have it just be kind of just fade into the background. Like take a simple simple case of you've got a text block with a redactor field and you've got a couple paragraphs in the redactor field and then you decide you want to add an image between those two. Well, right now there's no way to really drag an image block between two paragraphs of a single redactor field within a single block. You have to mm-hmm. cut the second paragraph 
add a new block, new text block below it, paste it in there, and then drag your image field up in between them. Right. Um, whereas like if every single paragraph or every single kind of like block level thing in your content is a, what you know, they use the word blocks too, so this is going to get a little confusing, but is a block as well, then if you have two paragraphs next to each other, those are two independent blocks of content, right? And so you can just drag your image right between them. And, you know, it makes sense for some things. It makes sense for long form content. It doesn't make sense for others. You know, for other things, right. matrix is definitely preferable if you're dealing with image gallery or there's a million, you know, page builder or whatever. There's a million use cases for more of a matrix type thing where you've got multiple fields that need to live alongside each other within the same block as settings or whatever it is. That's an interesting yeah. thing. And this is a, just a partially baked thought. But to me, I look at something like Bard, which is similar to what you're talking about, editor uh, editor.js or whatever, where it looks like a very specific focused version of Matrix in some ways. Yeah. You know? And I, I wonder, like, is there a way that instead of making just a customized version of Matrix, or you like the way it's kind of fades away? Is there a way that that could be done with Matrix where there's it could just I, kind of fade away, but there's a, a disclosure where you can access fields that are specific? To, you know what I mean? Like, is there a way that they could be yeah, one thing or are they just too different? It has definitely crossed my mind. I've definitely spent several days playing with ideas to make mm. that happen yeah. it's not not going to happen it's just it's they're too different it doesn't it doesn't work in the end of the end of the day right um you know that we definitely have plans to improve matrix in terms of like giving it new ui modes and stuff like that like we want to mm -hmm. this is no secret that we want to you know introduce a table mode to it to kind of replace super table and we want to do other various things like that and that'll still happen i would say it's just it, you know it's a very different use case like as soon as you have of anything beyond just just plain content that you're working on then matrix starts to become the way matrix currently works starts to make more sense and it's just such a different frame of reference than than thinking of things as just one big blurb of content well, that's really cool i want to give everyone a chance as long as we're talking about future stuff to shout out one feature that they're dying for that they really want to see in craft and we're going to be fair about it so brandon we're going to start with you what is something you want to see in craft just one thing i'm, I'm in kind of a unique position here we know <laughs> more than more than just wanting for me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the feature that was kind of like the thing that kicked off the new field layout designer project. All right, which is that uh, Levi Graham, who I'm sure most of you know and love, our second favorite Australian here at Pixel and Tonic, he has an open pull request to add an event to the base element class. Mm. And this event would let him completely hijack the way that elements get rendered within element index pages and within element field relational fields and stuff like that. So that he has a little bit more layout control. And so it's not just, you know, like the title of the entry or the, the user photo plus their username or whatever. He would get to go in there and just do whatever he wants. And his example is he's, he's building a website for himself and, you know, he's got this, uh, he's used this event that he's running within a within a fork of craft to to give himself a much bigger thumbnail of an entry plus its title plus its description you know plus like other metadata like kind of all in like a card view of the entry mm -hmm. uh, and it's really awesome and it looks cool and, it, and it's super usable it, it's a super great author experience improvement and so we want to i want to do something like that i don't want to use his event i'm ultimately not going to accept his pull request sorry levi oh. um, 
but but only because only because it's just so hacky. It's like right. we, you know, in general, like if there's any lesson we've learned right now, it's that there is a thing, such a thing as like too much flexibility. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly the sort of thing that we're going to change. You now some random CSS class is going to completely break this plugin, you know, or this module. Yeah, because got, the, you know. the front end of Craft is kind of like the Emperor from Star Wars, right? It's like unlimited power. Like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Which is, but, well, uh, that's, that's fine because that's, the back. You know, it's all you from the top to the bottom. But in the control panel, it's mostly us. And you get to go tamper with stuff. And the more you tamper with, the more likely you're going to be pulling your hair out every time we release an update. And that's what so, I was getting at. It backend is it's the complete opposite to some extent, right? There's not too many ways to customize things unless you're willing to just inject whatever CSS and JavaScript you want to do it. Yeah. And I think there are, there are pros and cons to, to that approach that we, we probably can't get into now anyway. But okay, so that's your... That's your take on a feature that you really want to see added in there. Exactly. And so adding, yeah, exactly. Adding a, a UI or a way to kind of design these cards to create like card views for your elements would be, yeah, my thing. Nice. Leah, how about yourself? From a, and you you probably want it from a being able to sell people on it perspective, but what, what would be your one thing that if you could just snap your coup fingers, it would be in craft? <laughs> in terms of things that just come up over and over again that I'd like to see us solve for, workflows is probably the top of the list. Mm. So having more in craft to help with organizations that have governance or just an easier workflow. Again, it goes back to author experience and how organizations are set up, but I'd love to see us solve for for that one. And Ryan, how about yourself? If you had one thing you could add and it can be a repeat like if you're if you're on board with what someone else has said that's all right i'm trying i'm sitting here trying to think uh i don't ever think in terms of features like that i have some things for commerce but i know that's not core craft that's another podcast we're gonna get luke on here and you can ask <laughs> okay well, then ask me that yeah, I on the hear, commerce i want to hear the commerce suggestion let's just let's have that be a freebie well, in addition sure to the- I would, in general, I'd like to see the subscriptions be sort be like a first class citizen in terms of feature support. All right, and, and reporting all sorts of things. You'd like it to not return a two hundred status code when there's a failure or something, right? <laughs> so Andrews was right in that, though. I think I know. Yeah. Anyway, the, as the, far as the as far as the reporting goes, that's that's actually something that's really high on our list. Awesome. And I'm sorry, what was the first one? I've already forgotten, but... It, subscriptions. Subscriptions, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what you mean by that. Like, I'd love to hear more about that after the call, but I will yeah. say something that almost made it into the current 3.2 release and didn't quite get done in time was the ability to import subscriptions. So that'll ah. make it into 3.3, which would be nice. So you can describe your subscriptions in Stripe or whatever and then run a command and boom, now they're in commerce as well. Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this anymore, but subscriptions are kind of like the redheaded stepchild in some ways you know they feel well they feel like that working with the apis too it's you know like stripes the only one that's done a halfway decent job at it and and i think paypal also offers them but it's paypal being paypal so it's really awkward there and so we've kind of yeah i mean it's it's not like every other like the gateway traditional gateway features where it's like hey there's 500 gateways that have all kind of come up with the same basic APIs and and we can we can write something in a way that's pretty generic and works with a lot of stuff. 
with subscriptions. It's still wild west. Well, because in this case, you didn't write the logic to drive the subscriptions. You're depending on Stripe to drive it. And I guess to make it a first class citizen, you probably would have to drive it and normalize it for whatever thing you're using. And if Yeah. And if we go down that route, then that leads to its own complications. Like you're going to need some kind of scheduler to keep track of all this stuff. And you're going to need to start storing more customer data on the instance than we'd necessarily feel comfortable with. Right. Uh, plus Stripe actually has deals with bank accounts. Like, let's say you've got a card that expires. Stripe, there's a good chance Stripe has a deal with your bank account where because they've already kind of done this handshake deal when you set up the subscription, they get to keep charging your card even after it expires and you've gotten a new one. Yeah, they get an uh, update even, of the... Even though you didn't... Yeah, exactly. Or maybe that's what it is. They get updated automatically. So even though you didn't go in there and like manually edit anything, Stripe, because of because of their you know, popularity, they got they got that preferential treatment from the bank. Yeah, um, I don't, I actually think being tied to Stripe or at least Stripe being the first, like a first class citizen in terms of the subscription support is actually good because one of the things I like about Stripe is that they are very proactive about always being compliant with new security, uh, data security laws, especially coming out of the EU. And so like you basically, it all just kind of gets built in so you don't have to manage well, not it. Not if you live in Latvia and you've got no Stripe support at all, you know? Anyway, <laughs> Ryan, you've, you've gone, outside of the scope you've gotten two like enough enough uh matt, <laughs> matt how about yourself if you had one feature that you wanted to see added to craft for your selfish reasons what would it be it would be re-added and it would be the return of top level entry revision notes Ooh, i like it i like it i think there's some other people that want that too what did you use them for Letting the other idiots know what I did. And when I say that, I mean myself, because it's usually just me leaving notes to myself about what I did. Uh, so your development is kind of like the movie Memento, where you're just leaving notes all over the place. So you mm-hmm. know what's going on. Like, who left this here? Who changed this? What did they do? <laughs> and they're there. Well, let's be fair. They're, they're there and they're a click away. But I liked it when they were not a click away and they were just right there. So when I changed They're not even there anymore. Like it, it depends on how you're getting there. You're only able to add them with you're within a draft yeah whereas before it was both within a draft which that ui actually hasn't changed it's always been just based on the draft notes if you're within a draft the difference is that it used to also be available within the source entry when you're just making a quick edit the reason they got pulled was because we in three point what uh two we added the whole draft concept we rewrote that concept i guess and initially as soon as you started typing anything on an entry or changing any values we would automatically create a draft for you and so considering that was the case and drafts already had revision notes it just made sense that you know if you were going to change anything you were going to do it within a draft you could use the draft revision notes to to document your change but then like that we that actually got kind of rolled back a little bit because everyone freaked out. So now you still can edit an entry directly without it automatically turning into a draft. And at that point, we probably should have brought revision notes back and we didn't. And and we should, we should at some point. Well, Matt, if only you worked in a capacity where you could affect change. But Marion, how about yourself? Um, I've got two. One of them is that I'd like more documentation on nitty gritty stuff about how to write plugins. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not so happy with the videos are great for other people, but I'm not a video loving person. So it'd be great if they're in the craft documentation. It told you how, if you are modifying a date time field, how you do that in the, in the, you know, entry form, stuff like that. Or even Um, told you some of the broader concepts, like what is a controller? When would I use that? What is a variable? When would I use that? It tells you you a bit of that, but it would be nice to have that more, more of the gory details. Um, Right. So that's one thing. 
Yeah, that is a direction that like they are sort of going. I don't know if you've seen, for example, the you know all the Twig documentation. For a long time, all we would do is document what we had added on top of Twig, thinking like, well, Twig docs already exist. You can already reference the existing stuff there. But now we're going to list everything, whether we've added it or Twig came with it to begin with. And the things that we that was already in Twig, we'll just link to the Twig docs, but we'll still list it at least in the index. Twig is good, but it's in particular the plugin yeah, yeah, I, PHP I, stuff. I, I, that up as an example of the same mentality is also why our development docs are lacking a lot of stuff. It's because we're, you know, kind of an impression like, well, or the Yee docs already document all this stuff. Like why re-explain controllers when it's a clear concept that Yee's already explaining? Um, <laughs> and the answer is well, because no one wants to go to two separate documentation sets to learn one thing. So I would say there's definitely an argument to be made that we should start taking on more of that responsibility ourselves, even if even if all we're doing is re documenting the same thing that you could find in the e-docs. How to use use the e-stuff, particularly in the context of craft. The other thing is I've always thought it would be really nice if you could have kind of developer notes in the front end. Like you can, you create a new field and you can say, you know, here for the author, tell the author about this field, but, you know, notes for the developer on what this field is really about or this section or how it's just developer documentation, a way to kind of, I'm, I'm a big believer in comments. It'd be nice if I could comment the uh, control panel. Or maybe more broadly, Marion, if they're looking at doing conditional fields anyway, you could have conditions for the fields based on the user group, right? So if the person is in the admin user group or developer user group, then certain fields are shown. And those fields that could be shown could be the the tip or the template or those other new develop, uh, AX things that are true, in. True, true. I mean, that would absolutely be a, you could just have a UX sort of thing that was, that was uh, you know, opt-in and a I still like Marion's idea because you could potentially output documentation specifically for that site that that tells a developer how to work, have a front end developer how to work with it or include it like in the GraphQL schema or something. Right. For the for the idiot who comes after me, who is, in your case, usually me six (laughs) weeks later. Yeah, well, I mean, presumably, if you built it into, if you built the conditional fields into with the developer documentation into it, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to then have some kind of a front end template that then looked for anything that was in this group, you know, and then output the the contents of it. Like you totally could do that, right? Yeah. Anyway, developer developer annotations versus you know user author annotations in the in the uh, back end. Sure. Sure. Yeah. What do you think, Patrick? You're batting clean up here. I know. Save the best for last. No, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go into Matrix and Matrix again, but no, I, I think almost like Ryan, I, right now, commerce, I think is where I find the, the biggest place where I find I could get a lot of help is different support or better support or any support from multi-site slash multi-store and multiple currencies. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That, and that came up recently somewhere where we kind of revealed the plan there, which is, you know, like a lot of people want, they call it multi-site support. And what they really mean is multi-store. They want the ability to find products, prices on a per store basis where each of those stores may have it, their own specific currencies or whatever. And that's definitely something that we want to get in as well. It's something we've been kind of slowly planning out what that looks like over the last couple of years. And it's definitely going to happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a big move. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a huge, a, it's, yeah. it's on the same scale as doing multi-site in craft, except at least when we did that, we already had multi-local or we had localization built in as a stepping stone, you know, and this one, we're kind of going from zero to a hundred without anything. So just a lot to consider, but it's, yeah, we're excited to do that for sure. Yeah. All right. I'll go with a more approachable one. Changing store settings and system settings in commerce because I have the weirdest mental block about which is which. And years later, I still That'll have no make idea. That'll more sense. That'll make more sense if multi-store is a thing. There we go. <laughs> the things the things you're currently finding in store settings would be the sorts of things that would be kind of defined on a per store basis. That makes sense. Yeah. And sometimes we don't save the best for last. We just save the last for last. So I'm going to go last. And what I really want to see is... I want to see the conditional fields because I think that it will make a huge difference from both for me as a developer designing stuff, but then also for content authors when they're using the site. I just think it's going to make a massive difference. And it's up there with what you were talking about, Brandon, with different views of you know a card or this, that, or the other. That combined with conditional fields would be my holy grail. Like that's what I would be, I would really be looking forward to that. And you know, you can use reasons now. That was uh, that was recently ported to Craft 3. So we do have conditional fields again through reasons for now. It's a stopgap and, and uh, Matt's knows it, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that that's in there. I'm just waiting for the, the native support for it. You know what I mean? Well, it'll happen for sure. You know, it's, we had basically two prerequisites. One was the condition builder and, and the other was the field layout designer. So, All right. Well, I want you to get to work on it. So I'm going to stop harassing you. So that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. Make sure to subscribe. And if you enjoy the show, please write us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend, retweet this episode. We really appreciate it. We also now have a YouTube channel with all of this stuff on here. And we're probably going to start doing some live stream kind of stuff when we record it. We'll see. And that's linked to from the devmode.fm site where you can also leave us a comment or find us on Twitter at devmode.fm. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Marion Millivant. I'm Matt Stein. I'm Ryan Ireland. And thank you, Brandon. Yeah. And thank you, Leah. <laughs> thank you. enjoyed the conversation about stuff that's upcoming and your thought process on it and that type of thing and i want it to be noted for the record matt that i went i went soft on you i didn't <laughs> i didn't grind you down like you did to me i noticed I took, that I took mercy i took i mercy. cried a little you did okay that's good <laughs> all right